Let's try again. Well, in a lot of these metaphysical and spiritual takes, they speak about duality. And if you look at mind, sometimes they call it split mind, or it's the yes or no, either or, close, far, male, female, hot, cold. So many of us were in alcoholism. Yeah? And now some of us are in recovery and we're getting out of alcoholism. And so if you watch what happens when you go in alcoholism, untreated alcoholism, it's, I like to take a view of it as it's parasitical. It's as if something foreign has taken you over. Yeah? I would say it's an extreme, we're extreme examples of self-centeredness, which is a system of thought. But that system of thought has a life of its own. It has yours, actually. That's the life of its own. But it's like a parasite. Yeah? And when it starts taking some host over, there's indications, you can see the signs of it, where you will start going more and more unconscious, and more and more having no idea why things are happening, and just getting whacked by the consequences, and not figuring out, like, what brought you jail to jail the night before, if you do it again, may bring you to jail the next night. These things just escape you. And the more and more it goes untreated, it seems to go more and more to the extreme, where you're really quite unconscious, and your muscle of denial is like Arnie Schwarzenegger's, yeah? Muscle, it's just, you're denying basically everything that's going on that would actually, if you were aware of it, would would increase the possibility of being free from what's taking you over, but you can see the takeover seems to progress in time. Yeah? The more and more, it says our disease is progressive, so it's a more and more and more and more take. And then if you read recovery, it demonstrates the moving away from that, where it's some of the examples are you will lose interest in the self and gain interest in others. This is like, okay, I moved one way, I didn't, but the movement in my life by me being taken over, by this being taken over by alcoholism, was down this deep hole, so to speak. And some of the steps down that hole were described. You get more and more out to lunch, you're blaming everyone, you're coping by not coping, you're dealing by with not dealing, you're, you're having excuses and rational, rationalization. This is all the takeover of alcoholism. And the more and more it progresses, so there's less and less of a possibility of the host ever recognizing that hostess, and more and more identification as the parasite. Yeah? To the point where it takes you over basically completely, where you don't have any idea what's going on. You're defending it, yeah? You're, you're, you will defend its, its, its uh, need or drive to be right with your own life. You're so taken over. And then what occurs for some of us, there is that break. You want to call it a moment of clarity, but something occurs, and that parasite is sort of startled, yeah, in that, that idea of a pause, and then something else starts occurring. And there's a movement now away from the total takeover, and as the takeover gets lesser and lesser, the host or your life will demonstrate. So you will lose interest in the self and gain interest in others. You will, you will stop seeing what you can take out of life or what you can contribute to life. You will have a new attitude and a new outlook. You will have a new freedom and a new happiness. All of this is just demonstrating the releasing of the hold of the alcoholism and that you... And I don't mean you as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. I'm meaning you as indicating yeah, something. 
you start now start expressing the freedom from the alcoholism. Just like as we're going one way, we're expressing the slavery of the alcoholism. Now we're expressing the freedom from the parasite. Yes? That's that movement of duality. Yeah? Now the real what occurs in this is there's this movement and then we get out, we we may go this other way, but then there's a place that they I believe they hint at, which is the place of the position of neutrality, where we will be placed in a position of neutrality that's neutral to this movement in self and the movement of getting out of self. Yeah? The movement into the alcoholism and then the movement of getting out of alcoholism. Because basically, our experience here is one movement, it's like this tide sucking us into that hole, and then the tide sucking us back into this. But there's a position of neutrality or in another way, consciousness is all there is. Yeah? Or spirit is all there is. That's what non-duality is. What it represents is that there is no two-ness. There is no going in and going out. There's no male and female. There's no subject and object. All there is is oneness. Or they may call it all there is is consciousness. All there is is awareness. Now here, the, if there, all there is is an awareness, when it appears here, it can appear to itself to be unconscious or conscious. So you would say an experience of alcoholism and recovery is a perfect example of seeming to, seeming to be more and more unconscious, and then when you're recovering from alcoholism, you seem to become more and more conscious. Yeah? In other words, less and less and less light until the reality of the absence of light, which is called darkness, seems to be real and substantial. The darkness seems to be solid and real. Yeah? And then, when there's that moving away from it, which is more illumination, there's more and more lighter. And then you travel lighter. So one way you're traveling heavy, very, 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 very heavy. And the heaviness that's causing the travel to be that way is defending the right to keep going down that hole because you're identified as it. So the host doesn't and cannot entertain any other possibility but to therapize it or try to socialize it or try to minimize its damage or try to learn how to clean up after it quickly, yes, and all this stuff. And that's the only thing it can entertain or killing itself because, you know, it's so identified as the alcoholism it can't entertain being free from it except by killing it, you. Yeah. Now, this is unconscious, you would say unconsciousness. And then you get out into AA and you do service and you get out of self some experiences of it and you start feeling lighter and you start feeling expansive and that's consciousness. Yeah? You're now awaking, waking up. But the beautiful news is you're neither of those movements. You're not what was unconscious nor are you what's appearing to get more conscious. Yeah? Because if you're identified as what's moving this way and you identify with moving that way, you will basically move back this way. Because this will always be a possibility. So this can't truly be peaceful because it always has its opposite as a possibility. So you can't enjoy peace of mind because the opposite is just as true as this. And actually to you and to me, it's even more true because of our past history. We're very fearful when things get good. Because we're really expecting it to turn shitty fast. But the same head, when things are bad, we believe it's going to last like that forever. 
That's how the head is. So the movement isn't, okay, I was this, I was this thing that was totally unconscious, and now I'm this thing that's becoming conscious. What I found is the message is really you're neither of them. Yeah. That's the freedom from duality, in a sense. You're neither. I was not what was unconscious, nor am I what's becoming more conscious. I am consciousness. I am the root. I am the, con- the context. I am not the movement of the context in content. Yeah? I am not something that was... I was really bad, and now I'm becoming really good. I was really bad when I was ripping everyone off. Now I'm really good because I have ten sponsees and I'm doing tons of service. In fact, I'm neither of them because if I'm identified with being really good, I'm going to experience the fear of being really bad. Yeah. And the vice versa. If I'm experiencing the fear of being really bad, I have this false hope that someday maybe I'll be good. But none of that's freedom. It's both, all of it is bondage to self. Any movement. One has a movement towards iron chains, this is a movement towards gold chains, but they're both chains. The freedom to me is that position of neutrality of I'm neither that nor this. So whatever was appearing to be me, I wasn't, and what's now appearing to be the good me, I'm not. So there seems to be improvement and getting clearer and this and that, but there's no one that it's happening to. It's just the appearance of consciousness coming into this stage in which it has to have the good guy and the bad guy, and they're both part and parcel of the same. You can't have a good guy without the bad guy. You can't have a bad guy without the good guy. Yeah. This is seeing that movement, but not being identified as it. That's the freedom. And therefore, your circumstances and situations do not locate you. Your thoughts do not locate you. The feelings that are happening in you do not locate you. You're unlocatable. Yes? So you're free from any location. And location is the source of the suffering. Because location is identification. The verb at that point stops and becomes a noun. So let's say I know a lot of people, they thought they were bad, and they get into recovery, and now they're on probation, and they've got to be good. And if they think, if their little God, their mind that's playing God, says, uh-oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't help that newcomer today, they're immediately thrown into the identification as being bad again. And it's usually, you'd have, you do 800 things that, that signify being good, but only one bad thing erases all those 800 things. And then you're thrown back into your own limbo or purgatory until whatever, the head that's playing God says, okay, you've done enough good, now you can enjoy the barbecue this weekend. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Or go back to school or something like that. Or maybe go on a date and don't flip out until 12 o'clock at night. Something like that. It may give you a little break. But in fact, there's no freedom in that. Is there? But you don't know, you think it's free because the, the reality of being bound. Yeah? So, small movements the other way seem to be great events, and that's fine and dandy. But you have to see the small movements of great events, they're still fixated based on the reality of being bad. Yeah? This is freedom from that. Freedom from bondage of self. Both, both movements bind you, bind your mind to an identification with what being the, what was bad and now being what hopes to be good. Both of them are binding to self. So this is not freedom from self, it's freedom from the bondage of self. 
The self doesn't matter. It's just a mental idea out of a mental process. The bonding to it is what causes the real suffering because you can drench it with meaning now because you, not self, but you give meaning to things. Yeah? And you can entertain things. So if you are identified as self, you can entertain a world of separation. You can entertain a world where all you wanted was love and you never seemed to get any. These can be quote-unquote realities to you. Seriously. Because the ability to give meaning to things is unbelievable. You and I are doing it all day. Unfortunately for a lot of us, what's giving our life the meaning it has is self-centeredness. And self-centeredness, we're extreme examples of the system of self-centeredness. That's why it's, we're very, we're actually like educational tools for others. If they'd ever stop thinking we're different because we're alcoholics, they could learn a lot about what's their yets. <laughs> you know, because we're just extreme examples of self-centeredness, alcohols, alcoholics. Yeah, but in that, because it paints with such a broad stroke, you can recognize self-centeredness. Because why? You're conscious. Even though the consciousness has seemed to have been captured by self-centeredness, it still has its innate quality of being conscious, so it can actually become conscious of what's captured it. Yeah? And what holds it in the capture is your identification as a self. That's the center of self-centeredness. Yeah? So when there's an identification as a self, be it good or bad, you're captured by that self-centeredness, now, self-centeredness gives your life, or gives life, the meaning it gives through you. You're its, you're its, it's like projector. Yeah? It's, this consciousness is interfacing with this place through a body, through this body. So consciousness, this undifferentiated light comes through here, and then it gets differentiated. And then you see things as separate and solid and this and that. And then, on top of this Perception, you have self-centeredness. So you're wearing this freaking helmet yeah, here, and it has pumped-in atmosphere, and what you're breathing is anxiety <laughs> and concern with time and the products of, of time, which are regrets and resentments and speculations of fear and anxiety. Yes, This is the past and the future are, the, are where the mind in self-centeredness grows its crops. It can't grow its crops here in the present moment. It has to have a, a mythical field of the past and a very, very large, almost stretching to infinity, mythical field of the future to plant its thought seeds and its beliefs and its old ideas to, to manufacture or make a harvest of anxiety, regrets, total interpretations. You think you actually know what happened. You ever have gone back to your hometown? I remember we, I got arrested with a bunch of my friends one out of many times, but this one time we stole a step van, so I remember one of the times I went back there, I hadn't seen them in years, and then we were all telling the story about the same event, and it was incredibly different. One guy got away, which I swore he got arrested with me. I was in the front of the van when I, you know, no, I was in the back, you know, Peter Lepkowski was driving, and I thought he wasn't even there, all this stuff. So this whole idea of believing you really have captured what actually happened is total, total hearsay. Yeah. And the mind will represent it and make it up to use it for whatever it wants to use. And basically, its theme is to bind you to it. Because that way, it can express itself through you. You're the interface here. Self-centeredness has no interface other than through this. Yeah. 
And it wants to have a life, and so it takes yours. And it has an incredible strategy of how to secure and keep yours, you're identified as it. <laughs> you're taking yourself to be this. <laughs> what else? <laughs> so we're trying to improve this and get relief from the unbearability it's bringing. And you cannot, have, you don't even know the half of the unbearability. We are so desensitized. We are so out to lunch that it does not behoove us to be conscious of being identified as self, as a self. It would drive you fucking crazy to see how insane it is. Yeah? We were out to lunch, all of us. We are so desensitized. We watch TV and this and that. We're bombarded by energy and this, and it causes a disassociation. And that's our solution to the unbearability of the light that we are. But there's, the only thing that needs a solution to the unbearability of light is the darkness, you see? You are that light. You bask in that light. You bask as that light. But the self-centeredness, it's, it's the biggest threat of all to its existence. So it's totally, totally overwhelmed by that light. So it basically just clamps everything down. You're not feeling half the shit that's going on. And the unconsciousness of what's directing you and running you, you're not even aware of. Yeah. You actually believe you're moving towards something. You don't even see... The dualistic expression is you're moving away from something that you don't see, and that creates the desire you have to get things out here. So you see, oh, I really like that, but you don't like something else. And so you're running from this by going there. But we only see this side of the coin, yeah? Because we're not seeing back there. We don't see the blueprints of our life. We don't even see the developmental stage. All we see is the consequences of all these energies that are running us, doing their dance through us. We've been taken over, totally. And the higher power is another takeover. It's a benign, lovely takeover. Yeah? But we, there is no occupant of the body. <laughs> there isn't a singular occupant of the body. The body is an interface here. And whatever is taking it over is going to express itself to you. That's why when you were out there using, you looked like the rat of all rats. And now you may be a really nice person. What were you? Were you the rat of all rats? Or are you the really nice person? I don't think you're either. I think you are an expression of whatever's taking you over. If it's alcoholism, you're going to express a life of alcohol. Yeah, alcoholic, and you'll be an alcoholic. And you'll, you'll have all the traits other alcoholics have. You'll never be special as an alcoholic. <laughs> There's too many of us running around, yeah? The same, same, something else. Let's say you call it the higher power. I'd like to call it. Well, I don't like to call it anything, but something else has the possibility of expressing through us also, but its expression is so much lighter and so much econ it's economical and pared down. It doesn't bring a lot of baggage, and it definitely doesn't leave with any baggage. Its, it's only entry point is now. It doesn't have these fields of the past and the future. Yes, it only sees what's happening. It only takes what's going on now as what seemingly is real, and it takes its own nature as what's real, and so it sees what it isn't very, very clearly. It sees that it is not a mental process called selfing very clearly. It doesn't have to study to see it. It doesn't have to read scriptures to see it. There's just the seeing of it because its nature is to see. Yeah. Its nature is to see. When it becomes identified as a body that seeing turns into a way of looking. 
the broad way of looking is called self-centeredness, and then there's tons of ways of looking in that to try to relieve us from the way of looking called self-centeredness. <laughs> so you're looking for a solution to a way of looking. Yeah? So Buddhism or something else, or whatever, I'll go back to church. So Give me another pair of glasses, like that guy said, a new pair of glasses. Yeah? The old pair of glasses, alcoholism, but I've been talking about self-centeredness, blocks us off. It, it, it has to piggyback on the activity of seeing, because all there is is that. But what happens is the seeing gets interpreted as looking. Yeah? Because the seeing gets claimed by it as I am seeing, which is not the case. You are not hearing a damn thing. There's hearing going on. If my ear is pointed out to a certain direction and there's a noise out there, I'm going to hear it. There's no choice in the matter. Yeah? Hearing. Hearing supersedes I'm hearing. Seeing supersedes I'm seeing. Feeling definitely supersedes I'm feeling. Yeah? Smelling supersedes I'm smelling. I, 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 I is the interpretation of self-centeredness. Yeah? To cover up the fact of conscious contact. It's the greatest way to cover it up because you think you're conscious and, and you think you're having this contact and you're not. It's a thought. Yeah? A thought is, is a thought just like you see a thought. This thought you don't see because when it arises, what's delivered by that thought is I'm seeing the thoughts. Yeah? This thought says I'm seeing the other thoughts. <laughs> so, when it says, I'm seeing the other thoughts, you can see thoughts, but you can't see this one, because you think it's me. <laughs> I'm serious, it's tricky. You've got to check it out. You've got to check it out. It's a thought. The thought of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity is a thought. Yeah? This thought has feelings around it, so it gives you a sense of being a self. Because the feelings, I was reading about a brain, and the feelings have more of an impact than thoughts do. So this thought wraps itself around with feeling. So you get a feeling that you're a self. Yeah? All through the day. And so this is a thought, but all the thoughts that are seen now, not by you, but by being conscious, when you see thoughts, this thought goes along. It doesn't even go along with it. It's now like a belief. So here's all these thoughts being seen, but right underneath where you can't see it, there's a belief that I am the thinker of these thoughts. I am, these thoughts are about me. Yes? So all the thoughts are held the same way. Either I'm the thinker of them, or they're about me. So every one of the thoughts is now a way of binding you to the oldest thought, which is I'm a self. And every bit of conscious contact is now used to bind you to that I'm the one that's in conscious contact. It's amazing, isn't it? It takes freedom and it uses freedom to bind you with. The freedom is, I am conscious contact. That's consciousness, not this. It's like the scientist is looking through that telescope. The telescope has certain lenses, and if someone who's conscious looks through the telescope, it will look as if the stars are closer. It doesn't bring the stars closer. If you saw a picture of someone looking at a telescope, and when he was looking, the stars would come... Like that, whoa, I can really see the stars. They're, they're like right on top of me. But that's not happening. It's a perceptual thing, yeah? It seems, it's appearing to be true to you, it seems like the stars are closer. So the lenses of the telescope facilitate the consciousness of the scientists to see the stars, yeah? 
So let's just say this is the telescope into this world that we're in, or let's say this dream. And consciousness cannot enter this dream except through a body. When it goes through the body, consciousness forgets itself to be consciousness, and it sees itself as this, and then it sees itself as that. And the game begins. Yeah? <laughs> the this separates into this and that. Now, there's one this, but there's thousands of that's. Yeah? So this takes the role of being the subject now, and everything becomes an object to it. But the true subject is the consciousness that's looking through this apparatus. But the apparatus has claimed to be the consciousness. Yeah? As soon as it claims to be the consciousness, it forgets the true subject, it takes the role on of being the subject, and it casts you into objects. Yes? Because you can't get away from duality or dualism. Yeah. Subject makes an object. So you see it in how you, let's say, how you approach truth. You will approach truth like it's an object to you. I'm going to study the truth, and I'm going to meditate and practice the truth, and then me as the subject will get the effects of the object called truth. And we even cast God as an object. Though I'm going to know God now. Yes, I'm, t I'm tired of running around 40 years. I'm now going to get settled in and know God for the rest of my life. Which, who's playing God there? I would say your head is. <laughs> so your head